welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one egalitarian page of Talmud every day. Or is it? Because on today's page, we read about women and their experience in the Seder. Here's a little taste of the duff. The Gemara comments, And now that women have been included in the prohibition against eating leavened bread, they should also be included in the obligation to eat matzah, even though it is a time-bound positive mitzvah in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. As Rabbi Eliezer said, women are obligated to eat matzah by Torah law. As it is stated, you shall eat no leavened bread with it seven days, you shall eat with it matzot. These two commandments are juxtaposed to teach that anyone included in the prohibition against eating leavened bread is also included in the obligation to eat matzah. And these women, too, since they are included in the prohibition against eating leavened bread, they're also included in the obligation to eat matzah. Which, of course, leads us confused moderns to take a step or two back and ask about, well, you know, here's the Talmud, a, a rather male-centric book. Here's Passover, a rather male-centric experience. What is the female experience at the Seder? And to answer this question, I have the privilege of welcoming to the show best-selling author, Shul president, journalist, great interviewer, and one of my all-around favorite people, Abby Progerbin. Hello. Hello. That's a great introduction, Liel. And believe me, the uh, admiration is mutual. I'm a huge fan. I am thrilled to hear this. And I could think of no one better who I would like to kind of take a step. Because look, you know, for me, the Seder experience is very straightforward. I'm at the head of the table. I have a big bushy beard. I orate and I tell my son as the Haggadah commands. And I don't frequently stop and think about, well, you know, here's here's a book, here's a tradition, here's an evening that doesn't always stop to include women. So so tell me. Not to mention the fact that the women were usually not in sight because they were in the kitchen sweating, putting a gevilte fish on 20 dishes and thinking about the eight more that needed to come out quickly and on time. In my defense, I will say that I also cook, but that is neither here nor there. Right. I, no, I want I'm you not to talking tell about me. your generation. <laughs> I'm not talking about your generation, I think, is much more evolved. I mean, you use the word egalitarian in your intro, and it's one of the things that's the gifts and blessings of your podcast. But we have to remember what most of us grew up with, which was our aunts or our mothers or our grandmothers kind of ensconced or entombed in the kitchen, basically focused on facilitating the Seder, not partaking in. And particularly when it comes to the Magid, it wasn't like the mothers or the sisters mattered in telling the story, let alone that the women in the story weren't particularly highlighted. And I grew up with something that was very foreign to, to most Jews of any generation, which was the founding feminist Seder, which now in a way has become old hat. There are feminist Seders all over the place and they've, you know, they've sprouted into different countries and different iterations. But the first in 1976 was frankly revolutionary and I had nothing to do personally with creating it, but I was lucky enough to be part of it with my twin sister. We were invited, only women were invited. And you can set the scene. We were all on pillows on the floor. We had to bring our own pillows and we had to bring our own dishes. It was potluck. And it was very much a kind of a putting a, a restoration in a way or a, a course correction on the story, on the ritual and putting women back in the narrative and also essentially back at that seat at the head of the table where it was a much more kind of shared telling but the women suddenly rose to the forefront. What does that experience feel like? I mean, what does it feel like after all these years of seeing, you know, the men tell the story, all of a sudden 
being in an environment and it's only women and it's your story, you're back where you belong in the forefront. Is that really emotional? Is that just strange? What is it like? You know, it's a great question. I mean, I think, first of all, as I've gotten older, and I'm like an old lady now compared to when I was that 11-year-old sort of starry-eyed with Gloria <laughs> Steinem on the floor, cross-legged, and Bella Abzug, Congresswoman Bella Abzug, who would not take off her hat, and she was the only one who would not sit on the floor. She needed a chair. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really hope Bella Abzug sang, you know, Manishtana in her <laughs> beautiful <did>. voice. <laughs> Absolutely. But that was exactly the point, was the Manishtana was different. The 10 plagues were the modern plagues that I had never personally experienced. Things like unequal pay and domestic violence and workplace harassment and illegal abortion. I mean, these things that were described as the plagues of the 1970s that I didn't personally relate to because I was lucky enough to ride the coattails of these pioneers. But I listened, you know, I was paying attention and it wasn't necessarily that I was being inculcated with a sense of victimization, but much more of an awareness of where women have been sidelined, have been left out, have been kept down. You know, I remember that some of the rituals that I just got used to, like we introduced ourselves with our matrilineal line. You know, I am Abigail, daughter of Letty, a daughter of Jenny, mother of now I am mother of Molly. You know, that, that was a powerful ritual that was added that just felt like second nature to me. And so to your question of how it felt, it, it's something that in addition to my two more traditional family satyrs, we still went to Aunt Betty's and Uncle Danny's and and had the endless regatta and, and you know, and the starvation before we got <laughs> to the Carpas. <laughs> I still had carried with me this kind of this gem of a different way, a different path of inclusion. So, you know, it's it's been a, a day or two since that iconic women-only satyr. Have we come far? Not far enough? You know, it's a good question. You know, I, I was I was lucky enough to be president of Central Synagogue, which had an Asian-American female rabbi for the first time. Angela Bookdahl was the first woman to lead Central Synagogue in 100 and almost 180 years. And so I've gotten used to firsts in a way that, and I think my kids have too, in a way that we're, that we're really foreign to my mother's generation, which is very obviously close to mine. So we're pretty close to the revolution here. Um, and that said, I see how many ways we're, we're still, for better or for worse, some would say for better, still kind of stuck in how much change can we tolerate? How much change is too much change? And where are the places that people think it's a bridge too far? And I know that's for a longer conversation, but I still see it play out in many Jewish spaces where it's like, yes, we're all equal and the women are welcome, but you know, there are certain red lines. And, and I think those conversations are important and they're still happening. Well, Abby Pergamon, let's never stop having this conversation. I am so thrilled that you're our guest today and thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.